0: Coming up on this edition of the Golf Digers podcast, we break down the 2018 U.S. Open.
1: My God, my swing feels like an unfolded lawn chair. Well,
2: why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun!
0: What is this, costume? Mine's off the rack.
2: I wish Tiger Woods was here to help me with this. We'll do it live!
0: Welcome back to the Golf Digest Podcast. I'm Alex Myers, and today I'm joined by Sam Wyman and Ryan Harrington. We all made it back from Shinnecock Hills, although Sam took you a little longer Lately, today. Relatedly, yes. Yeah.
2: Spent a lot of time on the Long Island
0: Expressway. <laughs> it's lovely this time of year. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, Sunday was a uh, pretty good finish. Saturday was maybe one of the craziest days I think any of us could recall at a major. Let's start with the winner, though, obviously, Brooks Kepka. Uh, Sam, what were your thoughts on, on his performance?
2: I mean, I said this to Chris Powers, who I was walking uh, the front nine with yesterday, watching Brooks, and Brooks hit it tight on the first hole, and he missed the mm-hmm, birdie putt. Mm-hmm. And I said something along the lines of, he's going to give himself like five or six birdie chances and miss them early, and then he's going to implode. So this is just <laughs> evidence how little I know about anyone. because And so it's based on nothing other than missing right. the first birdie putt. And then he, he basically did the exact opposite, which mm-hmm. was he hit, first of all, he converted the next two holes— yep. And then even when he wasn't giving him chances, he just chipped and putted out of his mind. So it was a really complete performance. I mean, this has been covered already, but last year he just kind of overpowered Aaron mm-hmm. Hill. It was really set up for a guy like him, big, wide fairways. This was very different, and he handled it in a, in a very uh, dynamic way, and it was it was very impressive.
1: I agree. You know, like you said, uh, it's a totally different U.S. Open than he won on Sunday compared to last year. And what impressed me, though, was this is the first time we've really seen him uh, have to mentally grind to win – an Event. I mean, he kind of was winning, kind of going away last year at Aaron Hills, uh, but this time around he had a lot of things going on, a lot of uh, odd thoughts, the, the odd start, but then he, he played, played well and made a few birdies, and then, you know, kind of had to save and grind a lot on the back nine. And it was just a different way to win for him, and it was interesting to see him be able to come through and do that. I I, I didn't, it's not that I didn't think he had that gear, but it was a, a different something out of Brooks Kepka, and, and really, you know, it's cliche to say he validated last year's right, uh, right. major championship, but he, I think it was was a lot more impressive than what he did last year.
0: Yeah, well, obviously, when you add it together now, he's won two U.S. Opens in totally different conditions, so certainly that adds to his resume. But you guys are mentioning his grinding. I mean, the 11th hole, we were talking about this, Sam, the 11th hole and the 14th hole, he's playing alongside Dustin Johnson, and it looks like Dustin's going to gain a stroke on him both times. In fact, he gained a stroke on Dustin, one, on, on those two holes by making that bogey on 11, Dustin three-putts for bogey, and then that up and down from 70 yards on 14, uh, and Dustin three-putts again. So th- those were demoralizing moments for Dustin, and those were really impressive, grinding uh, U.S. Open-type moments for Brooks Kepka, you know, a bogey that kind of mm-hmm. spurs you on. But it really was because that 11th hole is – Incredible, and if you missed where he missed, you were absolutely dead. So. I,
1: show, go ahead, Ron. Uh, I genuinely thought, I mean, that was probably the most difficult shot he had faced yeah. the entire week. Yep. You know, I, I, and I genuinely believe that. I mean, there was no place to put it on the green. And afterwards, you hear, heard him say that he, he kind of was going for the bunker yep. and, and, and trying to save bogey. Uh, and and obviously, he made a really long putt even to to right. to, 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 to to do that. But, uh, I mean, to get through that hole the way he did and then to come through and and to make a couple more of those clutch par saves, like we said, and then finally he he gave himself a cushion, obviously, with the birdie on 16 Mm -hmm. that he ultimately needed. But, um, again, I'm just really impressed with the way he got through the back nine, uh, knowing that uh, he had a lot of guys, including the world number one, you know, breathing down his neck, knowing he had that score he had to beat in in the clubhouse already, too. And and to come through, uh, it's just impressive.
2: Which – impressed me was basically incredible self-belief and he walked off the golf course on Saturday night and he was pretty hot because that was that whole debacle where the guys in the afternoon just faced a much tougher golf course than the guys in the morning and he sort of made some dismissive remark about Berger and (coughs) Finau shooting 66 and saying that you know there was no possible way they could shoot 66 in the afternoon conditions and it was really difficult and he seemed ticked but then he ended the press conference by saying, but no one's more confident than I am. And you hmm. thought at the time it was a bravado, just kind of posturing and trying to build himself up. But it's what you saw. He, I mean, every time that he was pushed in the slightest on Sunday, he responded, and it was really impressive. And like you said, you know, he's won three tournaments and two of them in a major, so you didn't really know if he had that gear. Right. And apparently he really does.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, if you compare it a little, actually, to Aaron Hill's last year, he obviously – The scoring was was different, but he was so aggressive down the stretch, he kept making birdies. And in this case, once he got through that stretch where he made the bogey and he saved a couple pars, I thought that 16th hole was was pretty telling. He and DJ had about the same distance on their third shot. And, of course, Dustin was trying to hit it closer than 20 feet, and he he needed to make birdies. But Brooks then stepped up there and hit it right at the stick. He was the only guy who did that, who got it there. He hit a three-foot – five inches or whatever behind the hole, that was the birdie that ended it. Yeah. Um, That was really impressive that, you know, even though you have a little bit of a lead, you know, it actually reminds me of when Jimmy Walker won at the PGA, he did the same thing on a par five. He had the lead, but he knew that you still should capitalize on an opportunity to score. And Brooks did that. Uh, That was impressive. But you mentioned the majors, you know, he has has a tremendous track record at all the majors now. He's made 16 consecutive cuts in majors. Uh, it's no Steve Stricker, who, by right. the way, has made 27. 27. But um, he, yeah, 11 of those are, sorry, seven of those are top 10s, 11 of those are top 15s. That's impressive. And that's not just at the U.S. Open, although at the U.S. Open he has a, a fourth place in 18th a 13th and now back-to-back wins. So is this a guy who just... Is he able to step up at the right moment. I mean, is this not a fluke? I mean, is this? Does he care more about the big events? I mean, what do you? What do I, you think? You know, we,
2: he made the remark last night about how he's been overlooked, and I was thinking, is he overlooked, or is this is kind of who he is? <laughs> yeah, he's not in that I, upper tier of you know Justin Thomas and DJ and Jordan Spieth, and but but I don't know. I mean, you look at that and look at, at obviously the skill set. Why isn't he included in that in that you know? core of guys that are among the lead players in the game i guess i guess now he is the, the one and ryan you know him just you know covering his career in college and amateur career knowing a little bit more about him but the one sort of knock against him is he's not like a he's not a golf nerd he doesn't mm-hmm. love go- this is a you know this narrative might by the way be tired it might be right over but he doesn't he's not um, kind of obsessed with golf in the way that Jordan Spieth or Justin right. Thomas is. He maybe, wanted to play baseball, right? right? Yeah, and so he's just this guy who has incredible gifts and has worked it worked it well enough to get to that point. I think that's probably not entirely true. He obviously, and there's references last night about Claude Harmon saying that when he when he was out for um, the the injury right. that he really missed it, and he, you know it showed that he obviously has this this uh, drive to. Be among the best,
0: but uh, it was also that he found his love of the game. Right when he was no, injured, I know, it's which just an is interesting, interesting dynamic. Yeah, that like, but
1: I, but I think you know, I think it, his career from his amateur days on to this last week, uh, he's always been a really competitive person who's always kind of had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. He he wasn't recruited to Florida when he was a Florida high school kid. He, he went to Florida State eventually, but he really wanted to be recruited there and, and didn't get the love <laughs> there. Hmm. And then he comes out. And, and he goes at it the hard way he goes out and plays on the challenge tour right. and then goes out and plays in europe right and, and showing you a different kind of competitive drive there too uh yeah he hasn't won necessarily pj tour events and and this is going to sound like i'm talking out of both sides of my mouth i'm just wondering sometimes if, he, if they quite honestly motivate him no that's much.
2: what we were saying at lunch yeah. Yeah. i agree yeah.
1: i think that might be part of it and, and so from that standpoint uh the time off in theory if, if, if he really found his love for the game. I think he always had a love for the game, but I think maybe in that time off he kind of realized, you know what, I, I like being out there with the guys and mm-hmm. I like playing and I like trying to compete and, and boy, if I'm going to be out there, I, I'm going to try to beat their heads in. I mean, think about the final rounds he's had in a couple tournaments that he has played in since he came back from the injury, the 63 mm-hmm. of the Players' Championship. He finished uh, uh, tied for second, I think, at the Fort Worth event. Yeah. You know, um, I, I do think there's always been a competitor in there and I think it's kind of just trying to unlock it uh, when the moment is right. Major championships are always a, a big moment, I think, and he's been able to step up there. It will be interesting to see now if, if we see a guy who then goes out like Dustin or like Jordan right. and, and is able to, to kind of dominate in, in regular tour events, but there's no reason why he can't. Obviously, he's got that game.
0: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned his career path. It's true. We we we're stuck on. We always are. I know John Hogan will kill us for it as well. We're stuck on the PGA Tour wins. Mm-hmm. You can win other places. He's won on the European tour. He's won on the Challenge Tour in Europe. He's won on the Japan Tour. So he he has 10 professional victories. So it's not like he only has the three wins. But yes, he only has the three PGA Tour wins. And two of those are majors, which is a, an interesting ratio, especially when you talk about his buddy who, by the way, they said they didn't speak together. I know. That was was interesting. power move right there. Uh, (laughs) His buddy Dustin Johnson, who has 18 PGA Tour wins and only one major. So again, admittedly I was kind of rooting for Dustin to get it done because when I see a guy who has that many wins and only one major, I feel like You want to see greatness validated. I do. I, I, I think he, I hate to say the word, deserves it, but I think he deserves it more at that point. And I think it shows, and I know a lot of people disagree that – because I, I think the majors are obviously huge, but I do think we overvalue the majors a little because someone with 18 wins should have more than one. No, totally. And someone uh, with three wins should not have yeah, two I majors. Mean, let's, let's, but it works out like uh, that sometimes. Not to take anything away from what, what – of, of course, did, yeah, but, of course.
2: But let's be clear that because he won yesterday and beat Dustin Johnson does not mean he's better than Dustin Johnson. Right. It just means that he – his game held together on a on a day – um, when frankly we expected it to maybe be exposed more so than Dustin's, you know, he just he had a great day, and I think he's capable of many more great days, but it doesn't necessarily mean he is the superior golfer. Our,
1: our opinions rose of Brooks Kept yes. on Sunday. Of I course. don't think they necessarily decreased about Dustin, right. although that putting was a little bit scary. Out. Yeah. <laughs>
2: but that also speaks like they were saying that he couldn't find the line. Like you just have, you know, you have days. Yeah, where I mean, where he, you just struggle. With. We see Tiger and all these guys struggle with, yeah. with, with just the feel on the greens. It just happened to come in a very high profile setting.
0: Yeah, I, I, again, you're right. I think Dustin just had a little off day. The the Dustin lost this tournament on Saturday, obviously with the 77. And you could say the conditions weren't fair. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a second. But um, you know, he was playing late in the afternoon. A lot of these other guys were playing pretty late. He did shoot a seventy-seven, which is so uncharacteristic of him uh, and the scores he puts up. But yeah, I mean, he you know he didn't get it done on on Sunday, and so when I do say he deserves it, you still have to get it done. This is now, you know, other than those. Obviously, everybody points to Whistling Straits, what happened to him, and um, and Chambers Bay, and and all that. But there's been other cases, you know, at, at the twenty fifteen. Uh, British Open, St Andrews. He had the 36 hole lead, and everybody was like, "Oh, he's going to win." He, he didn't get it done. Uh, Chambers Bay, you know, obviously the three putt at the end, but he had chances all day. He didn't get it done. So, you know, earlier this year, he blew a six shot lead in Singapore. I mean, so he's not, you know, he's not perfect down the stretch by any means. We we think he doesn't get rocked or you know right. by anything, but I don't know. I don't, maybe he I, does. I
2: think he gets. I think he gets rocked uh, as much as anyone can because. Golf is hard. Winning golf tournaments yeah. is hard, and conditions are hard. I think the 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 thing that's really admirable about him is that he puts himself in these situations consistently. Yeah, and then does. when he has a day like he had yesterday, he, it won't linger with him, and he'll you know he'll be in contention probably at Carnoustie or, or mm-hmm. at Bell Reve. Is it Bell Reve, Is that how you pronounce it? Bell Reave. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just his nature is that he's going to be back and not let it. Stick with him. Oh, you, know. you,
1: you said that he, he probably lost the tournament on Saturday. I think he he, he brought everybody back in the field in yeah. the tournament on Saturday, but Sunday, he started with he, in a share of the lead. And mm-hmm. he gave himself some opportunities on those first few holes. And when those putts didn't fall, to your point, Sam, maybe you thought about yeah, Capo, had the guy uh, watching uh, you're the wrong guy. That's yeah, right. Right, yeah, totally. You, you had Dustin, yeah. you meant Dustin Johnson with that because uh, he had opportunities. He even had opportunities on that back nine. I mean, he, he, he put himself in position for a birdie to, to birdie the 11th hole for a fourth straight day, and right. he three putted. And he, you know, uh, it just—it was uncharacteristic for what we saw from the first two days of Dustin Johnson and what we've seen over the last couple of weeks. Um, and, and so, from that standpoint, he he still had a really good shot, and he, and he just didn't pull it off, obviously.
0: But again, back to the the majors point. This is why you can't just use majors when you're valuing guys. And that's what you know. Oh, Jack's better than Tiger because he's eighteen to fourteen. Well, is Brooks better than Dustin because he has two to one? Stupid. No, that's what I'm saying. Of course right. not. Is the, You know, I get into these arguments with all these bozos all the time who think Kobe's better than LeBron because he's five to three. It's 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 ridiculous. We put way too much into that one thing. I know no, winning is the biggest, where, but where it
2: does where it does break ties is when you have guys who yeah like eleven wins, eleven break wins, ties, and yeah you know, exactly. But like you know, Brooks Kepka is still on the precipice of between being a great player or being Andy North or yeah, Lee Hansen. like exactly. one of those guys who just has two great majors, right? Um, I think he's capable of a lot more based on what we saw, but you, you just don't know at this point. Dustin Johnson's right now had a complete
1: career. Do you guys elevate what Brooks did because it's a back-to-back? I mean, it, it happens so infrequently at the U.S. Open, and yeah. it doesn't happen a lot at major championships. Is there any extra? Yeah. Okay, I don't care
0: about that. I really that that was you know, and you know, that's one of those stats like coming in and like no one's ever now they'll say it again. No one's ever won the week before the U.S. Open. I just think that's a, a fluky, it's a, yeah, it's a thing. oddity. I mean, Curtis Strange won back-to-back. He, he could have won two U.S. Opens at any point. I, you know, I don't know. It just happened to be when he was playing his best. I don't know. Do you think so? I, no, I don't.
1: I, not I mean, necessarily. It's Im- of course I, it's
0: impressive. It's impressive.
1: Course. And if you think about the list of people who haven't done it, right. specifically at the uh, U.S. Open, it, it's kind right. of interesting that uh, Kepka now joins that list. But uh, I was just curious to pick your brain.
0: Yeah. On that. No, I don't know. I mean, right. If Put it this way. If it's, Tiger hasn't done it, and if Tiger hasn't done it, then it's, I don't know. It's, Jack it's, it's hasn't a done deal. it. Arnie Jack hasn't it done right. it. So then what are we saying? Again, like I don't – It's. An, I mean, it's a great accomplishment, but I think just winning two U.S. Opens is, is the great accomplishment mm-hmm. itself. I, I don't know. No, I agree with you. We talked about the 77 by Dustin on Saturday. Saturday, obviously, was the day that everyone – it was bedlam. Did something happen Chinnick- I mean, a ton of stuff. I mean, I don't even know where to begin, but I guess we'll start with the with the conditions of the course because it kind of led to, obviously, the Phil Mickelson mm-hmm. incident. We'll call it rake gate, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Um, the course on Saturday, how bad was it? I'm assuming you guys both think it was pretty bad because even the USGA admitted it was yeah. pretty bad.
2: I think it was bad. And you and I have had these this debate for a while about w- whether the U.S. Open is entertaining – and whether it's fun to watch guys struggle. <laughs> you're <laughs> so you're good. You're licking your lips saying how great <laughs> so it was. Good. I mean, obviously, produce great theater, so I can't yeah. complain too much, but I think it became farcical. I think, I think Thursday and Friday were, or Thursday for sure, was too difficult. And But wasn't, that was because of the wind. I understand that. It wasn't entertaining. It was fair, but it was too difficult. It wasn't entertaining. Friday was fine. You know, it was a relatively soft day, good golf, fine. Saturday was a joke. <laughs> and it was. It was a joke. I mean, because and I go. I look at Brooks Koepka as an example of the shot he hits on 15. Yeah. He hits a perfect yeah. wedge shot to 10 feet. Yeah. 10 feet below the hole, birdie putt. No, it rolls in the bunker. Then he hits a bunker shot that he can't stop right. within 20 feet of the hole, and he makes bogey. And it just my I'm I I don't think that it is a great representation of the game when that is what you're seeing and i i said this before just to people if there w- you know the usj said they were caught off guard they didn't expect it to change as much as they did if there was a 1% chance that that was going to be the outcome they shouldn't have done it, I, mm-hmm. it yeah, you know I like totally. it, you know i get it you're, you you want to make it tough but fair and you want to get up to the line where it's not but but of the two outcomes that you could have had, one being what we had, which was it was you know guys irate, or you set it up too easy and someone ends up shooting. No one's going to shoot sixty four regardless. Um, but you know you maybe err on the side of too easy. There's no question which one they should have erred on the mm-hmm.
1: side of. No, I agree, and particularly obviously given the history here at Shinnecock. you know that's what surprised me more than anything else. Um, the the fact that all leading up to the the tournament here they said listen we we learned our lesson we've learned our lesson we're not going to do something like this and then to come even close right. to doing something like this right. i mean and it was different than the 04 from the standpoint of uh you know They had a couple dead greens before the the round even started then. I mean, the the biggest uh, difference here was that it was so radically different in the afternoon compared to the morning. But that doesn't justify it. It Ultimately, like you said, Sam, I mean, if if they had an inkling that this could happen, you've got to do something ahead of time in order to be able to prevent it. Because you would much rather have a conversation about, oh, gosh, 10 under won the U.S. Open at Shinnecock Hills than what happened afterwards where you got people saying that you lost the golf course and it it just unfortunately even after this tournament even after sunday where you could make an argument that they obviously overcompensated they had some hole locations in some different places and and maybe it was a little easier than it should have been but unfortunately now we have a narrative coming out of this us open about setup again and how can this happen how can that the the amazing thing about it i'm sure you want to get into this too alex is the amazing
2: thing about it is that on wednesday when we reported the podcast you were asking you know what do you think of the setup? What's going to happen? I said, oh, well, there's no way they're going to yeah. they're going to make it too tough. <laughs> How, how's your prognostication going here, Sam? Well, yeah. I mean, like, they're not dumb enough to put themselves in that right. situation again. Well, I gave them way too much credit. Yeah,
1: right. Apparently, yeah, no, I, yeah. I I can't believe that they even came close <laughs> to the situation. It's, it's it, absolutely right. It is amazing,
0: but now you mentioned on Sunday. Then everybody's tweeting, going, oh, what is this, the Deutsche Bank Pro-Am? I mean, it was, you know, because they— It was one guy who went low,
1: and then there was yeah, only was 15 other subpar it. scores, which no, wasn't I, that radically different from Friday, uh, you know, ultimately. I know,
0: but I understand. But there were people—just as many people seemed complaining on Sunday as there were on Saturday. I, I think yeah, they wouldn't have complained if, if Saturday just, didn't
1: happen. Just squeaky
2: wheels. Just, you know, they just were trying to—
0: But did they go a little—I mean— Maybe, but they, little, they, they had they had
2: to they do that had, on Sunday. Exactly. They had they to had do that to, on Sunday. But it, and and it didn't bite them. They had one guy shoot sixty three. The winning score was a guy who shot sixty. I mean, he shot sixty eight to finish it one over. That's right. he put a great round of golf. He shot sixty eight. Right.
0: Well, I, I you know I like when it's tough. Obviously, I agree. There was a couple silly stuff. Fifteen was the perfect example. That was that was ridiculous. Mike Davis singled that out as well. But um, yeah, the, my biggest problem was again the difference between the morning and afternoon. There's always going to be a difference, but it was so extreme on Saturday, obviously. And again, that's why you know we're not supposed to root for people, but I, if Tony Finau or Berger had won, I would have thought it was a little yeah. cheap because you know those guys got huge benefit. Totally. 66 to is getting in the, the final. The
2: group. question I have is. I mean, it feels like the best player won. So, in that way, uh, he you know he played in very yeah. difficult conditions on Saturday. He played great round. So, Brooks Koepka deserved to win the tournament. What you have to wonder, though, was there someone who got the worst of it on Saturday who would have been a factor or more of a factor if not for how difficult and how unfair the conditions oh, were on Saturday? Maybe Ricky Dustin, Fowler. Maybe Ricky Fowler. I Dustin mean, Johnson. He,
1: Dustin three.
2: yeah. Yeah, right.
0: Ricky Fowler, I mean, maybe. yeah. yeah maybe. No, no, I agree. I mean, still, an 84? Come on. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's the worst round of the day. Like, I, I think, this, and then a the 65 the next day. I mean, that's that's absurd.
1: I think it highlights too how well Brooks Kepka played down the stretch. When you think about, it. he was seven over at one point mm-hmm. in time, and yeah, they'll get it back down to seven right. one over. So anyway, I, I was
0: I was walking back into the media center on Saturday, and I passed Allison Stoke, and she was like leaving the course, and I was like, what's what's going mm-hmm. on? And then I got in, and I saw Ricky score. <laughs> that, it made a little more off? sense. I I think the, the ring was still on the back. finger. <laughs> yeah, the, the that was a. Big sixty-five, <laughs> Ricky. He needed that sixty-five. Um, no, well, okay. So obviously the conditions, everything else, it culminated with <laughs> Phil Mickelson on the thirteenth hole, running around, swatting at his ball while it's still moving, doing. I mean, I think we were all in shock. Again, I, I was out. I didn't. I came back. Everybody was going crazy. <laughs> I had totally missed it. I didn't have one of those earpieces, Ryan. I should. I really need to start getting Got those him. at these tournaments to know what's going on. Because people were going crazy, guys. When it first happened, what were your initial thoughts, I, reaction? Okay.
2: First of all, back up for a second. The tournament was kind of a dud until that Thursday and Friday was was okay. Friday was dreadfully boring by U.S. Open major championship standards. there's just, yeah. just not a lot going on. Then this happens, and it was just I happen to be you know like you know you at these majors you're paying attention to a million different things. And I just, like, as soon as it happened, it was like, oh, my God, this is huge. It was it was so insane. Yeah. And it was, like, such a um, departure from anything you've ever seen, not only from Phil Meckleson, basically from anyone Anybody. besides John, John Daly, Daly. Fact, yeah. that um, it just immediately you you sensed that this was a huge deal. The
1: only time I've ever seen it is in my own foursome on a Saturday <laughs> yeah. when you get right. pissed off at right. what happening. exactly. I mean, it was so radically different. And, right. and the second you saw it, you were like, did did I really see what he just did? I mean, I could not believe it. And then, you know, the the the, the scary person to me goes, "This is great for our website. Here we go. Here we go."
0: <laughs> well, it was. That's for sure. It I still mean, is today. I, I mean, mean
2: it, I mean, okay, to be, to put it in layman's but, terms. Um, what what are people talking about? Not just golf fans. What are people just in sports yeah. talking about? I mean, it was a Twitter moment. It was like a exactly. it was a, a huge deal. And you hate it when it's something back page of the New York yeah. s- yeah. tabloids. And- you know, you hate it when it's not showing the game at its best because you know you, you hate that to be the window into golf. But uh, it's a great it's a great uh, window into the challenge of the U.S. Open and how it can be so befuddling to even the best players in the world.
0: But still, I mean, he lost it. Like yeah, of course I mean, he did. It was crazy. you know, this whole—I—I'm sure he knew it was a two-stroke penalty and everything else. We should—I'll get your thoughts on that as well. But this was clearly frustration and slash making a little bit of a protest at the conditions, was it not? Oh, I, I think so. Yeah,
2: I think—I I think so. I think it was like, um, Ryan, you—you—you you should chime in. But I felt like it was a, a breaking point with the USGA and just feeling like he, you know he, it had gone too far right. and. You know, I don't think it was as calculated, oh, I don't want to play it from down there, so I'm going to take this two-stroke penalty and move on. I think it was a brief lapse in rational thinking, which I have, you know, 12 times a day on the (laughs) golf course. And it then was his way of trying to prove a point. Yeah, right.
0: This is stupid, so I'm going to do something stupid. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I think you guys are both right. I I, I can't see it as anything else other than that. I don't think it was quite as calculated as he said. Mm -hmm. I think he... Um, realized that he he could perhaps use that as a yeah. little bit of an excuse later on, and so he did, but, uh, you know... I- you know, I, I think it's just the ultimate frustration of a guy, too. And if you think about the the entire context of it, okay, he's it's his birthday. He's forty eight. He's only got so many times to win the U.S. Open to try to get this career Grand Slam, and he's literally seeing it just slide away on a green right. in the middle of a Saturday, and 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 he he snaps. You know, right. and I don't think it's anything different than that. Uh, I, I'm you know, I'm still torn as to whether I thought more should have been done against him hmm. afterwards. You know, I I. I I heard and read a lot of the stuff about he should have been disqualified or whatnot, and whatnot. I kind of feel like maybe he should have. You know, okay. I'm not as vehement as some of these other guys, but I, I do think, um, you know, what what stopped me so much when I saw it was the fact that it was so antithetical to what golf is. The mm-hmm. guy literally stopped a ball moving. Yeah. You know, I, mm-hmm. I mean, how could that be like, possible? And it didn't stop it. I guess technically, right, right. he hit, stroked it, which was part of the reason the USGA didn't give right. him a DQ or whatnot. But at the same time, it was just such a um, uh, against the 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 whole spirit of golf, kind of a thing, uh, that it really struck me as you know maybe he deserved more than, everyone than the
2: everyone says um, that it's so demeaning to golf. I mean, Michael Bamberger on our rival golf. mm-hmm. golf.com wrote a great piece about how it was demeaning to golf, and I, I guess at the same time he did he was issued a penalty. Right, you know, he, he 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 did something that cost him two strokes, um, which led to a ten. You know, I don't – my personal opinion is that that was that, – that punishment fit the crime.
0: I, I was going to say, I agree. I think, I think you can be upset – we were talking about this, Ryan. Um, you can be upset with the rule, and the rule is – at least part of it is really dumb in that if he had just stopped the ball, he would be disqualified. Mm-hmm. But since he hit it, mm-hmm. then he's not. There's this gray area. There's also a gray area. Did he gain a significant advantage? I don't think he did. I think even Phil acknowledged that when he he was making it like he was all smart. But then he goes, well, I kind of took a gamble because I could have gotten up and down. He could have gotten up and down and saved himself a shot. So I don't think he gained a clear advantage. Um, I I don't think he obviously didn't stop the ball. He hit it. Again, that's a ridiculous rule. So I think by the letter of the law, the two-stroke penalty was correct. Again, if you want to change the rule to it's being – you. You're disqualified. I'd have no problem with that because again, that's the first thing you learn when you start playing golf. You do not hit the ball when it's moving. So if he, had, you know, that would have been fine. But the but the way the rule is written, I think he got it. I agree. I think that would, the fun the punishment fit the crime. Let me ask
2: you a question. Since in the media we're, we all become PR experts, uh, <laughs> what should his his explanation have been? He goes into the scorer's tent. He walks out, and he sh- he should have said what?
0: He apolog- He should have apologized. He should have said he, he- did kind of apologized. No, no, though. no. He said, "If you're offended." That's yeah. right. That's like the yeah. kind of apologize. Well, exactly. he,
1: he said toughen up too. And then he yeah, said yeah, right. right. And then mm-hmm. he
0: said toughen up. Well, again, he was asked the same question about ten times. So, and that was Ian O'Connor finally <laughs> really, really getting under skin. Ian O'Connor thinks he should basically quit the game of golf <laughs> and never play again. So, I mean, you know, you mentioned Bamberger. I mentioned Ian O'Connor. There are people. There are purists, and then there are super, super purists like them. Yeah. I think they're taking it a little too far. They're they're questioning. Is his legacy tarnished and all this? I really don't think we're going to be remembering this for very long. Oh,
1: I think it's part of his story now. Uh, I mean, it's part well, of— like, I, I'll tell it, you it'll what— It'll be part of his U.S. Open legacy, because yeah. I, I really do think now him winning a U.S. Open and completing a Grand Slam is, is closed, frankly. Well, I, I'm going to say that at least. And ooh, so uh, part of, part of this—sorry, yeah. And, and part of this then is— he, he was a six-time runner-up at the U.S. Open, and oh, by the way, he had this one thing at Shinnecock Hills he too. Lost his uh, yeah. yeah. Now, I don't think it tarnishes right. his, his reputation. I don't think you we're going to pull him out of the World Golf Hall right. of Fame or something like that. But at the same time, it's part of the story now.
0: You know, I, I, sorry, I'll take that back. I do think it was embarrassing. I think anytime you're being compared to John Daly, unless you're talking about length off the tee, it's it's embarrassing, and that's what Phil Mickelson is now. But. I just don't think that it was, you know he didn't again, he didn't gain that big of an advantage. He didn't blatantly cheat. He tried to use the rules or whatever he says. I just don't think it's gonna
2: I don't think I, it changes, yeah, in, in my mind, it doesn't change uh, my perception of Phil right. uh, or what i what I feel like I know about him, which is one of the greatest players ever, you know, certainly one of the greatest players of of his generation. Uh, a very charismatic guy, but a guy who also um, goes out of his way to make statements. And you yes, know, kind of, uh, he's a and world-class a world-class axe grinder. Yeah, and this was a, yep. probably the most um, overt display right. of, of axe grinding right. that I've ever seen. And so, you know, it sort of embodied all of that right. in one in one move.
0: He pushes things to the edge, right. and this time he went a little too far. Because I I like his shenanigans. I like his showman. Sh- Ways, but I think this was too much to be clear. But I also think that the two-stroke penalty was technically mm-hmm. all he deserved. But I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, we are going to be talking about it, but I think we're going to be more talking about is all oh, that crazy Phil. Remember that time he did that? Totally. I, it, I, right. you know, all you know, or and in the same way we talk about. Oh, remember when he you know used two drivers at, at the master? You I know. think this is bigger than that. No, I no, think this but is I'm up there with the Glenn Eagles display, which was huge. Okay, but so I'm well, saying it's it's just part of his whole – It's
2: part of the fabric of Phil. Yeah, fun. the fabric yes. of Phil.
0: I yes. like that. Yeah, I mean, he he just – hey, well, anyway. What he, will he do next? Right, right, exactly. <laughs> what will Phil do next? That's the thing. Um, well, he gave us a lot of excitement going out there. I know, Sam, you were out there. Uh, wait – when the scrum – it was an actual scrum. That <laughs> was crazy. Waiting for him to come out. I've never seen anything like that. That was insane.
2: Yeah. And I mean, it, right. And then the door kept opening. Yeah, and, it was, it, oh, and it was like Zach Johnson. How many groups went through?
0: <laughs> it was, <laughs> to sign it was it. But yeah. That's a typical Phil Mickelson yeah. move, though. That, yeah. that, that,
1: that, to me, is not a surprise. You, you, he's 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 tried to wait out the media on some of these things. Well, right. he, he was not waiting <laughs> out. Yeah, I, at one point, I honestly <laughs> was starting to of look for a back door.
2: He was digging right. a tunnel right. through the back.
0: Right. And then it looked like he was going to come out the one way, and Curtis Strange did the interview with him. Then he went down the middle, and, like, all the people who thought they were in great position – I know you were over there, and Jaime was over. Then you were, like, totally on the <laughs> outside. Was comedy. It was – oh, my goodness. That was that was crazy. And, yes, it was great for web, web <laughs> traffic. Thank you, Phil. That was amazing. Um, trying to think what else here. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood, did we uh, give him enough due here for his 63? Almost 62. He was – you was, know, Yeah. And, again – who knows what Brooks would have done if he needed to beat one over. It's not right, like. You, yeah, you never know. You never know. But still, it's it's tough when you when you come that close to. For sure. But it wasn't yeah.
2: like it was a gimme. I mean, he had, no, he had birdie it, putts on 16 and 18 that were yeah. very makeable. And the the one on 18, it was uh, was it like 12 feet or something like that? or Maybe, maybe a little. little uh, it was less. I,
0: mean. I think it was under 10.
2: Okay. But yeah. it was still, you know, it was kind of on a, if yeah. I recall, it was not a, you know, it was a had some break to it, was a tough play. And you know that the he left it a little short. The old um, knock is, you know, how do you not give yourself a chance by leaving it short? Right. And I wrote about this uh, earlier in the year. That that's a misconception because guys who try to ram it through actually give themselves less of a chance hmm. because they're not playing the break. So when you actually leave it short, you're trying to actually right die the ball into the cup and make it and play the correct break. Right. And so I don't
1: fault him for leaving it short. It was a tough putt. Yeah. I mean, it was a great run. He even admitted, you know, think about how many putts he made. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, at, exactly. at some point you're not going to make them all. I, right. I obviously this one in that situation when he kind of one, he knew history for the 62 yep. and then two hey, I can actually really put a little bit more pressure if this right. goes in. He was very aware of the, the surroundings. And, and like you said, I mean, I think he made a, a decent attempt yeah. at it and the best that he could and, and just didn't fall in. The, um,
2: the one shame is that the shot he hit into that 18th hole was spectacular. He's oh. not a very long hitter. Yeah. So, you know, it was a lot of club. And he had this was... beautiful draw in 18. It would have gone down as one of the great shots, yeah. I think, because that's a very difficult hole. Yeah. And he just didn't convert.
0: Yeah. Um, another guy who made a great run. Uh, Patrick Reed, who we, we got to talk about him just because he wins the Masters. This is after we're saying, oh, he never does anything in majors, although he, he did do well, obviously, at the PGA last year at Quayle Howell. Wins the Masters, and now, I mean, I thought he was going to win yesterday. I know. Yeah, I really he was thought, dialed in those yeah, first a, few holes. It was incredible. Gosh. Five of the first 70 birdies. He um, finally bogeyed nine and that he never really got it going again, but still, we we got to be impressed with with him so far in the majors.
1: No, definitely, you know, I, and I wonder if. Um you know, it was the kind of thing where he was like, nobody's even talking about me going right. into this final round, let alone to, into the tournament. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I've got nothing to lose, but just let's fire at flags here. And, and he probably was well aware that, you know, the whole locations were probably a little bit set up a little easier than they would have been otherwise. He, and 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 go for it. And, and so you got to give him a lot of credit from that standpoint. Uh, sustaining it uh, even farther than those first seven holes was going to be tricky. At some point, this golf course is a difficult golf course, and he was going to run into that. But no, I, I, I you know a lot more respect for him uh, because of the, the way he hung in there and, and, and made a move and, and, and tried to really uh, piece together a, a, a victory that nobody would have saw coming. Right.
0: Mm. By the way, I don't care where they put the pin on number two. 264 <laughs> yards <laughs> yesterday, uphill. When I walked the course the first day, I was confused. I was like, yeah. is this a par four? It is this a, a par way? three? I was like, what <laughs> is going on here? And Reed birdied it. Uh, Fleetwood birdied it. Kepka, Kepka birdied it. it. I mean, th- that is crazy. Yeah. I mean, that is, these guys are and, and this, by going of the
1: two that I parked. wow, yeah. wow, amazing. not not from 260 yeah. Yards yeah. what though, was the yardage? Uh, we played 210.
0: Okay, I mean, still, it's pretty it uphill. Little, yeah. Oh yeah, no, you hit driver?
1: No, no, I did not hit driver. Okay. I'm short, but I did not hit driver. Go, going back downwind, to, you're downwind. I, I don't remember that.
2: <laughs> going back to what we said about the conditions earlier, which is that the one thing that gets lost in all this is how good a golf course that is, and oh, it's, it's such amazing. a shame yeah. that both majors there, both U.S. Opens there of the last 15 years have been defined by the USGA screwing it up and not talking about what a spectacular venue it is. Like, I know there's all these discussions about, you know, they don't even need to have rough there for it to be a great golf course. And they certainly don't need to have the greens be at the speeds or the firmest they were. And I heard, I thought um, it was David Fay on the USGA telecast who made the, the smartest point about it was it's not so much the speed of the greens, it's also the firmness and the height of all the ro- roll-off areas, the, the, the mown-down areas, because that's what the real defense of the golf course is. You couldn't stop anything yeah. uh, if you missed a green or missed the yeah. wrong part of the green.
0: I, I agree. I love the course. Uh, it was my first time seeing it. I know Ryan had played it. We, we just heard many it times. Li- right. many times. Um, I know, Once, it's, but it's been talked it, about many times. It's a spectacular course. I agree. It is sad. I'm, I'm glad, though, that they are already locked yeah, in. So there's no turning back. Right. <laughs> there's no turning back. Um, Unless what the club's history. 27? <laughs> 26. 26. Thank goodness. Because, yeah, in 2004, I mean, there was a question of when when is it yeah, going to happen was again? definitely like – taking 14 years. I mean, this should be in well, – the, the rotation that, here. But
1: that sounded like one of the things coming out of this weekend that was different than that last time. So I, I think the last time. The folks at Shinnecock were upset with the way the course was portrayed, right. given what happened on that Sunday. You you ha- had uh, Joe Buck uh, talking on TV that he'd gotten a text from the president of the club saying we, are, we we're behind what the USJ is doing, we're behind this and and whatnot. And so they did not seem to you know walk away, at least not over the weekend here, uh, with a bitter taste in their mouth. So I think they're they're more than willing to have. The, the tournament come mm-hmm. back you know whether that changes over time here or whatnot i i don't know but i, I think i think there's a different taste in their mouth from the way this one uh, formally wrapped up compared to what I happened in 2004. I wonder if that's t- because most,
2: most people can make the distinction that this was not a Shinnecock problem, this right. was a USGA problem. Most people can. I think can. now, definitely. Most people who, who, m- what, what, what What possible problem was there with Shinnecock?
0: No, no, th- there was none. Then but I what, think people just say they think Shinnecock, and unfortunately that's the connotation that right. you get. I mean, you're right, it has nothing to do with the course. It's it's the setup. But, um, no, I'm glad they, they agree with that, although the members, when they go to play this week, might not be... <laughs> I mean, the the greens are burned to dust right now. I mean, there's nothing left on those greens. So it might take a few weeks for them to get back. All right, guys. I think that's that's uh, good, obviously. It was a great week out there at Shinnecock. A lot of exciting stuff. Thanks again to Phil for really uh, ratcheting up the drama. And congrats to Brooks. Kepka on winning a second straight U.S. Open. We'll see. Uh, if he can continue that momentum into the next major at Carnoustie next month. Another tricky golf course? Very very tricky. Watch out for the wind. Uh, Thanks again to everybody for listening, and please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already. And check back next week to see who our guest is.